this whole Advent season, we've been looking at passages from the Old Testament that speak of the coming of Christ, the coming of the King. And by the way, Christmas, when you think about Christmas, in terms of what Scripture teaches about Christmas, so much of it is about king and kingdom. It's, it's about the king coming into the world, the promised Messiah, the anointed one. All of that prophecy culminates in the birth of Christ. And so we've been looking at some of the Old Testament passages and, and meditating on what it means to, for Jesus to come the first time in grace and humility and expecting Him to come again in power and glory. And we've been thinking about what kind of king is Jesus? If he is this, this king that's been predicted and is now here, what kind of king is he? So I'd like to just briefly give you some highlights from the passages we had just, we just heard and, and just, just bullet points kind of tell you the kind of king that Jesus, that Jesus is. First of all, and this is from Genesis 3.15, he is a promised king. Jesus is a promised king. God promised to Satan, the tempter, that he will put enmity between him and the woman and between his offspring and her offspring, and that he shall bruise his head, but he shall bruise his heel. So this coming king was going to be bruised by Satan, and yet he was going to crush Satan's Head. This is the first gospel, the first big promise in Scripture of saying that Jesus will come and He will slay the monster. It, it is amazing how many stories we have about this. From Hercules to St. George to Lord of the Rings to Stranger Things, all of us, <laughs> true, right? All of us are waiting for the hero to come and to slay the dragon. Jesus is that hero. He's here. He has come to, to slay the monster, monsters within, monsters without. He came to slay them so we can be, finally we could be free. We don't have to live in fear anymore. So are you still waiting for your hero to come? Are you dreaming of someone to come and slay your monsters? Well, Jesus has come. He's here. The king is here. Secondly, he is a universal king. This is from Genesis 22. We read that God promised to Abraham, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Jesus' kingdom is not limited to one geographic area or ethnic group. Where I come from in Ukraine, there's a major military conflict right now because part of the country is saying, we don't belong here. We want to be our own thing. We want to leave and the other part of the country saying, we don't want you to leave because you're just like us. And back and forth, people fight to establish another kingdom, to establish another nation, to break up a nation that already exists. Well, in Jesus' kingdom, it's not like that. He came as the promised king of the Jews, and yet he will come again to establish the kingdom of God, the kingdom that has no borders, no limits. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And when he returns, he will rule the nations. So friends, whatever your background, wherever you come from, there is a place for you in Jesus' kingdom. The king is here, 
and he is your king. Thirdly, he's an eternal king. In Isaiah 9, we read about the prophet predicting of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. There's an eternal kingdom and an eternal king that is promised to us. I just finished reading First and Second Kings in the Old Testament, and it's amazing just how it goes back and forth. Here's one king and he's evil. There's another king, he's good. There's another evil king. This king, you know, reigns for 52 years, and then the other one comes in, and it's only three months. And it's just go back and forth, back and forth. Now imagine if you had a king that never had to leave the throne. Somebody who could rule forever and who could rule well. As you read First and Second Kings, the, the thought that comes to my, my mind is exactly that. Wouldn't it be great if David could reign forever or Solomon or Josiah, one of those good kings, could reign forever and accomplish everything that they set out to do? And yet they die and another king comes on their throne. But Jesus comes as an eternal king. He will rule forever. We don't need to be afraid that he will die and someone else will replace him because he did die and he rose again. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the living one, the living one, the non-dying one, one who cannot die, who will rule forever and will be eternally on the throne. He has no term limits. He doesn't campaign against his rivals. He always stays on the throne. So this kind of king, this eternal king is here the question is, will you spend your eternity under his eternal rule? Fourthly, Jesus is a peaceful king. In Isaiah 11, verse 9, the prophet predicted that the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In this vision of the renewed and restored creation, everything will work in harmony. This is incredibly difficult for us to imagine that everything in our world, everything in creation will work well, that things won't break anymore, there'll be no dysfunction, that everything will work just the way it's supposed to work. The image that you get in, in Isaiah 11 is that even wolves and sheep will get along. Children will play with snakes. This is a complete restoration. It's, it's impossible for us to imagine that. Jesus is the kind of king that brings this kind of peace. And this peace has many aspects. We can, we can talk about peace almost as long as Jesus will rule on the throne eternally, forever. We can think about peace as, as something that happens between us and God, right? Reconciliation, forgiveness. Our sins are, are forgiven. Our guilt is taken away. We can be with God in a perfect relationship with Him forever. We can think about internal peace to us. Finally, Finally, I can be at peace with myself. I'm not at peace with myself right now. There are so many contradictions within me. Things I want to do, I don't do. Things I do, I don't want to do. Ambitions I have that aren't right. Ambitions that are right that I can't accomplish. There will be a time under Jesus' rule where I will be completely whole. And so will you. Where your heart will work perfectly. Your body and soul will work perfectly together. That's the internal peace. How about peace among people? Wouldn't it be great when we can actually be together and there'll be no conflict? 
No miscommunication, no grudges, no war, no oppression, no prejudice. All of that will be gone. Under Jesus' rule, he will bring complete peace. Another aspect of his peace is this idea that all of creation will be submitted to him, that everything in the world will work well. This kind of king has come. Christmas is a celebration of the Prince of Peace coming into our world and starting to rule the way he is supposed to. Do you know his peace? Fifthly, he is a perfect king. In Luke 1, the angel tells Mary, the mother of Jesus, that her child will be called Holy, the Son of God. One of the essential teachings of Scripture, something we, we cannot ever walk away from, is that Jesus was completely God. When he was born, this wasn't just someone like God or someone maybe on the way to become God. No, Jesus is God becoming human. Completely God, 100% God becoming 100% human. This divine being divine, perfect being that became human for our sakes. That makes Jesus a perfect king. He has no imperfections. Again, impossible for us to imagine because we are thinking about earthly rulers and bosses and managers and presidents that have many, many imperfections. Many of them we know. Many of them we are yet to discover. And yet Jesus is a perfect king. He does not make bad decisions. He always has perfect knowledge. He does not overlook important information. He is perfectly just. He is perfectly loving. He is perfectly wise. He is perfectly fair. He is perfectly powerful, knowing when to use and just how much power to use. He is perfectly present. His timing is perfect. This is the kind of king that Jesus is, and he is here. The question is, do you trust his perfect rule? Sixthly, he is a humble king. In Luke 2, the evangelist tells us that Jesus was born to poor parents and was laid in a manger. And we can argue whether it was exactly as songs portray, you know, there was an inn and a mean innkeeper that kept him out, and if they went to the stable, you know, it's not, a, it's not relevant particularly, exactly how it happened. We know for sure his parents were poor. We know for sure that it wasn't the best place to be born. And he certainly wasn't born in a palace. We know that. So why does Jesus, this perfect, eternal, divine king, why does he come into our world in such a humble way as a baby of poor parents' laid in a manger. He comes to show us that a humble king is a better king. Now, can you imagine? Now, think of your favorite politician, and please don't yell it out loud. <laughs> Try to keep peace for Christmas at least. <laughs> but think of your favorite politician, living or from the past. And think how much better he or she would have been if they were more humble. So many people admire Winston Churchill. There's good reason, right? 
And yet there were a couple of times in his life where you would think, yeah, if he was more humble at that point, he would have made a better decision. It would have been better for the people. Even the greatest examples of leadership in our human history are still flawed with arrogance and being concerned about themselves more than they are concerned about the people they lead sometimes. Well, a different kind of king is here. Jesus is a humble king. He's caring and loving, and he thinks of us first. Do you know him? Continuing this theme of humility, he is also a servant king. Number seven, he is a servant king. In Luke 2, 11, the angel told the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the King. He is a Savior. But how does he save? He saves by giving, by sacrificing, by serving. In the Bible, leadership is wrapped up in service. A good leader is a good servant. And so Jesus comes to save us by serving us. In Mark 10, verse 45, it says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Whoever heard of a king that came not to be served? Jesus came to serve us. Humble servant king who came to serve us to the extent that he gave his life for us. He gave his life so, so he could be our king. He's here. Have you accepted his sacrifice? Number eight, he is the king of kings. In the passage from Matthew 2 that you heard, the wise men came to King Herod to tell him about the arrival of Jesus. You would think, and maybe the wise men thought, that Herod would be excited, that the promised king, the eternal divine perfect king is coming, and he's here. We know that he's here. There's a star. We have the prophecies. Everything is coming together. We've come from afar to tell you the king is born, a new king, a, a good king, a humble, a new king is, is born. Herod is not happy, is he? The portion that we didn't read after the passage that, that we read is that he orders the murder of babies just in case, just on, on a chance that he could murder the right baby and kill the king. He's not happy because he sees Jesus as a rival. Jesus is not just another king. He's the king of kings, which is why kings are scared of Jesus. He comes to demand allegiance that trumps allegiance to other kings. Herod does not receive the news with joy because he is a king who knows he would have to give up his power if Jesus were to rule. All the other kings in the world must either submit to Jesus or oppose him. There's no other option here. Jesus is not content to be one of your kings. He wants to be the only king, the supreme ruler, the sovereign of your life. We have to think about that because it's easy to add Christmas to whatever else you're doing in life and say, hey, for this month... We're going to listen to fun songs and talk about peace on earth and be nicer to other people. And we're going to watch movies that resolve themselves wonderfully in a marriage at a gazebo. <laughs> and we will just have a happy time. 
but we're just adding that to our lives. What if we were to replace the kings of our lives with Jesus and say, He is over these kings. He rules over all of me, over all of my life. I'm not holding back anything from Him. The king is here, but the question is, is he your king? Have you abandoned other kings and bowed to his rule? And finally, number nine from John 1, he is a gracious king. He is a gracious king. The evangelist tells us, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. That means that Jesus, whatever he came to do, everything that he came to do to give us to bless us with, to help us, to save us, it comes to us by grace. That means that we cannot earn it or demand it or manipulate God into giving it to us or deserve it. We can only receive it. It really is like a Christmas gift. I know it's a cliche, but it really is like that. God gives you a gift. You can reject it and say, I don't want it. Or you can receive it and say, I will take it. But you take it by grace. You didn't make it. You're not giving it to yourself. He doesn't have to give it to you. And yet, he gives us Jesus, this new, perfect, divine, everlasting king. And we can receive him. And all that receive him develop a new relationship with God and into his kingdom. The king is here. He came to give us life and joy and forgiveness and relationship with God and peace and His perfect eternal rule. Will you receive Him today by grace? And if you come to Him today and bow to Him as your Savior King, He will not turn you away. We're going to finish with this. I'd like to pray And then as I pray, and I hope that you pray with me and that you process what we've read and heard and sung together. After I finish praying, I'm going to light the Christ candle. We'll light all the Advent candles and the Christ candle for the first time this year. And as I light the candle and we will sing, I'd like you in your heart to bow to the Lord Jesus to bow to Him, to come to Him and submit yourself to Him. For some of us believers that have walked with Him for years, this is a a, a rededication. We come to Him and we say, you are still my King. I am still your servant. I want to grow in your kingdom. I want to follow you more closely. I want to love you better. I want to serve you better. And for some of us who are not believers, this is the first time you will bow your knee to the King. Now you know the kind of king he is. What are you going to do with him? Only two choices, receive him or reject him. I pray that you receive him today. And as the candle is lit, I pray that a new light is shining in your heart today. Let's pray. King Jesus, we acknowledge who you are. We acknowledge you as you really are, as described in your own word. You are the long-expected hero who has slain our dragon. You are the universal king, king of heaven and earth and of all the nations. You are 
our eternal king whose kingdom is forever. You bring peace, peace with God, peace with each other, peace within our own hearts and with all creation. Jesus, you are perfect, God of God and yet human like us. You are a humble king. You came to serve us and to save us. You gave your life for us. You are the king of kings who has no rivals. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us all to see Jesus as he really is. Not as we have imagined him to be. Not as we have devised him to be to serve our purposes and to support our causes. But we pray that you would give us a picture of him the way he really is. So we can deal with him on his terms. I pray that you would open our hearts to his rule. Change us to make us the kind of people that rejoice at the coming of the king. That receive him and not reject him. Lord, I pray that as we light the Christ candle this year, we would bow to the king.